I'm Katie Prejean McGrady, and this is Ave Explores. So my Lent began with a bit of a bang this year. And I feel like it's kind of worth sharing the story because as we record a lot of these interviews weeks and weeks ahead of time, and then of course we arrive in the Lenten season and I, I, I start to prep the intros and the outros for the show, I never quite know, okay, well, what's going to actually be happening during my Lent? And I'm not entirely sure I could have guessed that my Lent would start the way that it did. You see, I woke up on Ash Wednesday morning with every intention of going to Mass at my daughter's school. But then I realized I kind of got the the timing of things incorrect, and Mass was going to be at 8.15 at her school, and the boarding time for my flight to Los Angeles was at like 9.30. And so there wasn't really any way for me to make both. And considering I had a speaking engagement the next day, I had to make the flight. So I get on the plane, kind of begrudging the fact that I didn't wake up earlier and go to early morning mass to get my ashes, didn't have ashes on my forehead, and yet here I am, as Catholic as they come, at least publicly so in a lot of ways, and I'm not exactly sure when I'm going to be able to get my ashes on Ash Wednesday, figuring, okay, well, I'll find a church when I get to Los Angeles, or certainly they'll have ashes at the event itself and all the different rehearsals going on, but I felt kind of down. Oh, what a What a great way to begin Lent. I don't even really feel like it started. And here I am getting on an airplane and flying across the country and fasting and time zone changes and no ashes. Oh, man, it's just kind of a clon, this this mashup of suffering. Well, I get to Dallas and I make my way to the D terminal where my flight is going out of. And I sit down in a restaurant and I I order salmon for lunch because I decide, okay, well, I'm going to do my main meal here at lunchtime so that I don't. I don't get lightheaded when I'm on the plane later. I wrap up my meal. It really only took like 20, 30 minutes to eat. And right as I walk back into the main terminal, my phone buzzes and they've changed the gate. We're now going out of gate D40. And right as I start to head towards the gate, I've got like maybe an hour and a half to go. And I just decide, oh, I'll just walk around a bit, stretch my legs. This announcement comes over the loudspeaker, informing everyone in the airport who heard it that there was going to be a distribution of ashes in the interfaith chapel in between the D and B gates. And I just happened to be headed towards the last gate in the D terminal. So you just kind of keep walking to this connector, this hallway where there's not really anything except this little tiny interfaith chapel. I walk inside. There's a kind of an odd smattering of folks. There's a priest standing behind an altar. There's a a young woman who's watching mass on her laptop. There's a couple of flight attendants and a pilot. They're checking their watch because they clearly are there to get ashes. And then I'm sure they've got to hop on a plane and get somewhere else in the country. And in walks me. I've got my backpack and my suitcase. I slip into the back row and wait patiently. This lovely priest standing behind the altar proceeds to give us a very short homily in which he tells us that Lent is all about setting down and picking up and how grateful he is that we all took time to come to this little chapel and get this visual sign on our forehead of wanting to do that over the course of the next 40 days, setting down things and picking things up all according to God's plan. It was the perfect Ash Wednesday. It didn't start perfectly. It started with me kind of doubting that Lent was going to be worth anything because I couldn't get the ashes the way I wanted And now here it was, less than 24 hours into Lent, and God was already giving me more than I expected. 
I think that's a theme of Lent, whether we realize it or not. And sometimes it happens earlier uh, rather than later. And sometimes it takes until the very, very end. But I think throughout the course of Lent, what ends up happening is that we come to realize God wants to give us more. And so if God wants to give us more, whatever that looks like in your life, that then means that we have to give more. That we are expected to bring our whole selves. And sometimes that whole self might need a lot of healing. Sometimes that whole self might be really broken. Sometimes that whole self might be incredibly distracted, but to not hold anything back because the Lord will not hold anything back from us. And as we enter into the second week of Lent, you know, it worked out perfectly. Here I am experiencing God giving me more already this Lent, and I hope you are too. And I think back to this conversation I got to have with today's guest, Father John Lacoco. Father John is the vocations director for the Archdiocese of Milwaukee. He's working on his canon law degree. My sister knows him very well. I've had the great joy of, of getting to know him over the past couple of years. Uh, I think my favorite memory with Father John Lacoco is he said a private mass for my sister and I on Father's Day back in 2021. And then we got to go have brunch after and just had a, a lovely time. He never fails to ask me how my family is, how my kids are. I know a number of his siblings He's just a phenomenal guy and a great priest and has wonderful insights to offer today about this idea of giving more, leaning into Lent and letting God give us more as we do so. This is all part of our Ave Explorer series, Digging Into Return by Father John Burns. It's a beautiful book. You still have time to go grab a copy. You can watch the free videos available on the Ave Maria Press website. You can, of course, also listen to this podcast week after week. Sign up on AveMariaPress.com to get the episodes right to your inbox. We'd give it a follow if you think that uh, it's worth your time. Maybe give it a rating and a review and share it with friends if you think that this is a conversation that has moved you. I certainly think it will, because as we dig into this idea of giving more, how we receive more and how we can give more, I think you'll come to realize that Lent all around can mean more. So enjoy this conversation with Father John Lococo about giving more in Lent. Father John Lococo, welcome to, for the first time yes. to Ave Explorers. Thank you so much for having me. I feel like I can't go to Wisconsin. I was just in Wisconsin. I don't know if you knew this. I was just in Elkhart Lake oh, beautiful. Uh, for a women's conference. Gorgeous up there. Very, very bougie hotel. I, I mentioned I was interviewing Father John Lococo next week, and somebody was like, oh, the Lococo. Like, I can't go to Wisconsin without meeting people who know your family. Tell us who you are, where you are, sure. what you do. Yeah, so I'm a priest from the Archdiocese of Milwaukee, and I'm serving right now as the vocation director. The reason I think the Lococos are infamous, perhaps, is that <laughs> I, I have the distinct privilege of being less well-known than my mother in my own diocese. <laughs> That's a good thing. <laughs> Yeah, which is great. She's She raised all eight of us. So I'm one of eight. I have three older brothers and then four younger sisters. And everyone is local except my sister, Claire. Uh, she still works down in Dallas and, and just got married. I have a sister who's with the Handmaids out in New Ulm. And so, you know, I grew up in a very robust Catholic family and went, you know, the whole K through 12 Catholic experience. But after raising all of us, my mom went back to school at Dallas, right, which is her alma. Mm -hmm mater there and got her master's, got her doctorate in ministry, and she's sort of taken on all sorts of roles in the diocese. And so, yeah, we joke, basically, e when either of us are tasked with giving talks at retreats or conferences, we spend most of the time making fun of the other person. <laughs> and so I'll it. hear like it. people come to me and just like, you, you know, your mother said about you. And I was like, oh, I can only imagine. <laughs> 
and she can get away with it because like she's yeah. in the chancery. So you know, there's this yeah. uh, this coworker mentality. I went to college with your brother Mike, yes, and your sister in law Courtney. And I have to tell you this story. A couple, oh, it was about like a year ago, I guess. I had a stalker situation going on with like a listener on SiriusXM. So a package comes to my house. Oh gosh! And it was like ma- mailed to me, and I have no. There's no note with it, and it was a boom roasted mug from the office. Funny. And I was like, man, my stalker knows me really well. Like at this point, the stalker had like sent me a vacuum cleaner, had like driven to Louisiana to try to meet me. And then this mug arrives and I'm like totally creeped out. I take a picture of it. I post it on Instagram. Like I have no idea where this came from. Like the stalker situation. And Courtney, Courtney had sent it to me. Oh, no way. She's like, I had no idea this stalker thing was going on. I saw this. I knew you liked the office. I thought you would appreciate it. You have a great family and they're wonderful people. Tell us, we're in the season of Lent. What was Lent like growing up? With that many siblings, I mean, you sound like you're smack dab in the middle. Oh yeah, I know. I've got so the you're syndrome. the you're the middle kid. Yes, you're not the forgotten one though. You had to become a priest, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. The- you know, the youngest boy, but then older than all my sisters, put me in this weird <laughs> role of being like the baby, but then also like a real yeah. fatherhood sort of thing with my sisters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what was Lent like growing up in a big, noisy Catholic family? Yeah, you know, I mean, it was it's one of those things that even to today, I mean, I think one thing that was always emphasized was. They presumed and hoped that our schools would take us to confession. But during Lent and during Advent, always, it was just like, we're going to go to confession as a family and mm. uh, and be that like frustrating group. It's like, you know, when you like get in, you're like, oh, there's only two people in front of me. And then you realize it's like a father holding it for his <laughs> like six kids. And you're like, oh, I'm never going. <laughs> but even to this day, my father will text each of us and be like, make sure you get to confession. And so I like oh, wow. look at my phone and be like, dad, like I'm going to confession. He's like, I'm just making sure you're going. So it's my job. <laughs> it's my job. Yeah. So I'm good at sinning. Don't worry. So yeah, no, I mean, it was, it was one of those things where we had the sort of typical practices that like from time to time, you know, semi-regularly or not going to the like Sunday evening rosary, or we try to sort of like as a family sort of do the fasting together. I mean, family meals were always a, a sort mm-hmm. of a constant. And so I always like see the, you know, those take on the le- sort of Lenten sort of poverty a little bit of just as a family. A lot of red beans and rice. My mom's from Louisiana. You know, it's like she is. we're going to hit the rice hard, you know. And so <laughs> but it was just I think the invitation for my parents to sort of, yeah, be be bold and comfortable and sort of like choosing Lenten practices and the support of it. I mean, because we were. Odd. We all chose different things. And it wasn't like, you know, mm-hmm. this is going to disrupt the family sort of dynamic. It's like, you're going to do your thing. You're going to not eat this or you're going to do this. I think my sister gave up mirrors one time for Lent and it was in high school. It's like, can you imagine? Mirrors? Yeah. Like, like not, I'm not going like, to look in a mirror. Is this, is this the nun sister now? I think it was Sister Angela Joy. Yeah. <laughs> but I may be giving her too much credit. You know, I may be giving her too much credit. She was, She'll never hear this. I so give it doesn't her, matter. I right? give her a hard time. I was like, you're at an all girls school. So how hard can it be? It's like, you know. <laughs> I, Mike gave up. I remember in college having a conversation with him and the rat downstairs, oh, everybody's yeah. going downstairs to get their lunch. He gave up hot food oh, yeah. for Lent. Yeah. And I remember thinking like, that is so radical. Yeah. And like, and it was sandwiches and salads, like most of Lent, you know, like that's a, I feel like you don't do that in college or you don't give up mirrors unless you have parents who are setting an example. Yeah. What was that like? Like your parents are bringing you to confession and then you watch mom and dad go mm-hmm. into the confessional. What What did that do in your little kid brain. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it was one of those things as a parent, you kind of probably 
can see how much your kids idolize you. I mean, they want mm -hmm. to dress like you, they want to be with you and they want to sort of gain your approval, which is beautiful in its own way. And so seeing my father who I had like all this respect for, love for sort of healthy fear of all these things, you know, you see him take the time to, to kneel down and, and sort of pray. You're like, okay, this is important for him. So I got to kind of do it. It was one of those things too, where it's like, yeah, obviously we had Sundays where maybe we're coming in at the last minute. Right. But it was mm -hmm. in general, an attempt to get there before mass and take time to prepare and make the act of Thanksgiving. And, mm -hmm. and it wasn't performative or like, man, we need to have these kids do it, but it's like, I'm doing my act of Thanksgiving. You guys can do what you want. And so I, I think seeing my parents had their own unique relationship with the Lord, that was very different. My dad grew, you know, went to Jesuit high school and that, you know, when he went to Jesuit high school and I love my high school, which we, we was the same Mark, same one, but when he was there, it was third floor chapel. They'd listen to like Pink Floyd songs for like, like their <laughs> communion motet was like, yeah, I mean, very different. And I yeah. say to him, I was like, you can, you can. That's still like ingrained, like a whole thing in him. I've gotten my father to stop referring to the Roman canon as the long one when describing that. You did the long one again today. I was like, can you can you come tell my husband that? Like, yeah. babe, it's OK if mass is longer than an hour. Like, it's fine. It's fine. We'll get over it. Yeah, that's what my dad will say. He'll be like, yeah, it's an hour and one minute. I was like, well, nobody's keeping track except you. Except you. I take oh. my watch off, dad. I love that, though, that there was this vision of, OK, Catholicism is not this it's not just this like thing that we we do on the side, like mm. it's who we are as a family. Mm -hmm. I mean, evidenced by the fact that there's so many kids, so many Catholic marriages, a, a priest and a sister that have all come from the eight of you. Did there come a point, maybe like when you entered seminary, I, I don't know, I'm asking, that like all of a sudden now this is my faith, like I'm owning this. Mm. It's not this thing that my parents have just handed to me, but like I'm now taking it from them. Because I feel like as parents, a lot of times like, we do a lot of of holding out, like showing mm -hmm. or like expectation. I mean, just this morning, I had to yell at Rose across the house, come make your bed. I'm not doing it again for you. And someday I won't have to ask her to do it anymore because she'll just do it. Right. W when did that happen for your faith? Yeah. You know, to be honest, I think it was the foundation was laid in small ways. I mean, my brother worked at our high school to sort of like establish our first pro-life clubs. I went on the first trip out to the March for Life. And I remember like that being very formative, like seeing all of these tens of hundreds of thousands of young and Catholics like living their faith. And I was like, oh, like, yeah, mm -hmm. what's my personal sort of relationship with the Lord here? I think really the like profound time for me was when I studied abroad in Rome. It wasn't Rome so much as the community I was in that was really influential. I was in a community of not only devoted Catholic studies students, right? But I lived in a house that had the Blessed Sacrament in it. And I had never lived in a house that has the blessed sacrament in it. It's like, mm -hmm. it's not my house anymore. It's his house. Right. And so mm -hmm. to be able to, I remember like in the anxiety and angst of my own discernment that semester, because that was really when I made the decision to enter seminary, like not even really knowing how to pray and just going down there at like 11 o'clock at night and like mm -hmm. sitting in the dark chapel and seeing like just the red tabernacle light and just being like, I don't even know what I'm doing, but I just know that sitting here is probably going to figure something out for me. And <laughs> I, I remember seeing this interview years ago for some priest. I have no idea who it was if I dreamt this whole thing, but like who successfully was hosting all these young adult retreats. And they're like, what do you do? That's so effective. And he was like, they get here, we check in. And then I just put them in the chapel and God does everything. Mm. You know, it's like, mm. I don't do anything. It's, it's what it's, it's his invitation. And so for me, that's where I really began to like day after day, I all of a sudden had a consistent prayer life and 
you're like, wow, okay. Like, mm-hmm. turns out he's real. Turns out he wants to have a relationship with me. And turns out he's going to ask me to do things that maybe I'm not ready for. Which is why Lent is such a beautiful time because it's all about doing things we don't want to do. But that's yeah. what the spiritual life is about. His ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. That's like where we need to like bring ourselves to a place of understanding. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I love this idea of there's a red light and I'm going to go to it. Like, I'm just yeah. going to sit there and he's going to do something. Because I feel like especially, you know, like I walk into adoration with an agenda. Oh, yeah. Like nine times out of 10, I'm like, okay, I've got one spiritual book and I've got my Bible yeah. and, you know, two or three hallow playlists loaded up with my AirPods and a rosary. And, you know, I can always do multiple things with that rosary. I can do a, a chaplet or a novena, you know, like all sorts of different stuff I can tackle. And Jesus doesn't want us to necessarily tackle things or yes. him. He right. just wants us to be with us. Lent is the perfect time to make time for that. So I want to ask the question in the negative then, why do people resist that, you think? Why do we not want to return and just do that sitting and and do that, okay, let me, I'm going to let you work on me. Why do we resist that? I mean, I think we can see it sort of borne out in a secular arena. Like if you look at New Year's, nobody's prompting anyone, but it's like a resolution. Mm-hmm. It's like this arbitrary day. I've decided that this is the, you know, for us as Catholics, it's like, I try to pick first Sunday of Lent, of Advent and like, okay, new liturgical year. So let's move into it. Right, right. Why don't people stay with it? It's just because, yeah, because we lack the discipline. Our passions mm-hmm. have become disordered and it's very difficult to cultivate those things. So, I mean, I do think the desi- the desire for what is ordered in our life is there. God's image is like imprinted mm-hmm. on our hearts, which is why there is a deep resonance when like God brings order to the chaos. Like he calms the storm, Right. Um, but we mm-hmm. find ourselves so often in that place of fear and 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 really a lack of faith, which is why I'm always sort of very convicted by his question is so striking. Like, why were you terrified? Mm-hmm. You're like, I don't know, because of the waves, because of the water, my general fear of whatever, you know, darkness. It's just like, where is our faith in him? And so I th- I think wanting to do these things and then actually doing them like there's a huge chasm there. And that's where grace and the Lord's invitation can really help. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I and I feel the spiritual weight and the spiritual combat always, because probably like you, like, have you ever had a day where like it's three in the afternoon and you're like, I have not eaten anything today, but yeah. you're like, fine. Yeah. But then it's like seven in the morning on Ash Wednesday. And you're like, I am starving. Cause all of a sudden <laughs> we've like given meaning to it. It's not just right. like, oh, I'm busy because my daughter has a fever and my other daughter has, you know, basketball practice and Tommy's <laughs> got a field trip and I've got six things to record. And you're like eating, you know, a granola bar in your car and you're right. like, this will satisfy my hunger. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I think there it's combat, right? And it, it requires yeah. all of us. And there's a great invitation there. That's such a good point because it's. I always joke that the Thursday in between Ash Wednesday and Good Friday, or not Good Friday, the first Friday of Lent is like the day where we all gorge ourselves because it's like all of a sudden I'm a carnivore and I just want burgers constantly. Right. I'm actually this year, I have to travel. So I traveled on Ash Wednesday. We're recording this ahead of time, but I'm going to pretend we're in the future. And I've traveled before on Ash Wednesday and it's miserable. Especially if you're like on an airplane and you're like, I gave up soda. I'm not going to have, I'm not going to have that Diet Coke that I always have in the sky. I'm not going to get that Starbucks, right? Like there's this active denial going on. And and I mean, fasting is hard. I think everybody always says like, I'm not good at it. I I think praying gets harder in Lent. Like it's all of a sudden, Mm. I'm never, like I have, I have gobs of free time sometimes, which sounds like a rare thing for me to say, but it's true. Like there are some days where it's like, I have no interviews. I pre-taped the show. 
My kids are at school. And like, I have tons of free time and I choose to use it watching a stupid Netflix show. Right. Or like to clean a closet that doesn't need to be cleaned. And then all of a sudden I find like I'm in Lent and I'm like, I'm so busy and I have no time whatsoever. And it's like we create, it's almost like we mentally create these resistances for ourselves because we're scared that you said in a minute ago, God's going to ask us to to change something in our lives. How do you think Lent kind of amplifies that? That there's this, okay, something's going on and we're in this internal war of, I don't want to make that change. I just got to get through these 40 days. Yeah. And then we actually, if we like do lean into it and do embrace that opportunity for change, like something profound can happen. Let's let's talk about that. How have you seen that play out in your priestly ministry, with your family, you know, with the guys that you journey with as they're discerning? Like, what does that look like for you? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think there's something about the age that we live in. Like self-image is something that we're so like keenly aware of. And I think even like Gen Z and somebody used Gen Alpha the other day. And I was like, oh my gosh, are we there already? Like we're starting yeah, my over. my kids' generations. We're, we're yeah. starting over again? I'm not ready back for that. to the A. I, was I like, call them COVID kids. COVID uh, kids, oh my gosh. Because like, you know, that's when they, they were are. born and that's when yeah, they grew up. Yeah. Right? Well, something, you know, they're especially like hyper attuned to like how they communicated themselves tacitly through like their, their self-appearance or whatever. And so like navigating and like I speak in a lot of high schools, I visit a lot of college campuses in our diocese and I'm always like with them. And there's such a like, yeah, like cultivated, a curated image of, of self. And then you sit in a confessional and it just like all falls away. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is beautiful. Right. And to be able to be there and, and to sort of be with somebody as they're sort of kind of stripped bare. And you realize just how, how much of, of, uh, of sort of, Paper, thin paper it is. It's not, it's not bricked, mm-hmm. you know, and the, the armors that we sort of build in our lives of routine or things that we think that we need. Um, so Lent is really like in the poverty of Lent and in the quiet of Lent and in the penance of Lent, it's like, yeah, we're all just the same. Like, we're all just mm-hmm. like, you take any of us, I don't care how adept we are, how accomplished we are. You strip it all away and you drop us into the middle of the desert. It's like, man, okay. Now I have to sit and listen to my thoughts, Right. I have to like, I mean, I think it's cultivating silence. I think it was C.S. Lewis who said that like noise is the music of hell. And mm-hmm. I think like the penitential life is something that like strips away a lot of the sometimes obvious noise, but like some of that sort of like just the busyness of our life becomes those things that we choose to distract ourselves from how like broken or wounded or disordered our life has become. And that's that's really the like the purifying sort of moment there um, to, that, that we want to run from. And so I'll give you an example of how that happens. Have you ever chosen a Lenten practice that you've sort of changed a few days into Lent? <laughs> you mo- you modified it. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's we're already like, happening. I'm yeah. giving up sugar for Lent. And then like <laughs> after like day two, we're like, man, sugar's in everything. You're like, that's kind it's of unreasonable. Everything. All right, I'll give up candy for Lent. And like by the end of Lent, we're like, I have given up bite-sized Milky Ways. That's like, <laughs> it's like we've like narrowed the aperture so much. So because we realize the hold that these things have on us. And so to be in that place of like admitting it, we instead like prefer to just be like, Oh, I just chose something too unreasonable. It's like, no, you stepped into a place of like boldness. And then we became Uh afraid. Why are you terrified? He asked us again. Uh, Yeah. So good. I mean, yeah, it happened. I I set out to give up coffee creamer Oh gosh. because I, I read a Twitter thread that basically said that like, you know, the, the French vanilla coffee, it's like made with carcinogens. I was like, okay, well, yeah. I'm going to save myself from cancer and I'm going to like penitentially drink black coffee and quickly discovered, I don't think I like coffee. I think I like coffee creamer that has caffeine in it, right? Like yes. I, so I like, and then I'm like, well, I am not a functional human being without that caffeine hit for the sake of my family. And like my penance shouldn't be a penance for other people. I'm going to use milk 
Mm. And then like the milk became, I'm going to use milk and like a half a spoonful of sugar. And I'm right back to where I started. And I did it. I, because I felt the lack and one of two things happens when we feel the lacking, right? Like we try to compensate. Oh, I got to fill that hole back up rather than let the Lord step into that. Like God, I feel like is asking for space and we never give it to him. And like Mm. Lent is the perfect season of, of the purge essentially of all of this stuff that distracts us. Mm -hmm. And then like, we're like, oh, no, no, no. But I really liked that. Like we cling to it like a Linus blanket. Mm. And, and this especially like second week of Lent is really when the rubber starts to oh, hit the road. Sure. Like by the, by the fourth week, we're all just depleted. Yep. And like, we are in the suffering and we are in the grind of mm-hmm. it. But right at this cusp, it's like, okay, second Sunday of Lent, I'm going in. Father's maybe given his themed homilies and, you know, more people might've shown up for daily mass this week. And I was one of them. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is the turning point. What would be your practical advice? for people to not get scared um, or to maybe like pivot, but not to a place of easiness, but to like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to add on. Like I can bring in, I'm going to give up the Snickers bars and the Milky Way bars, right? Like what can we do to maybe lean in a little bit more? Yeah. I I mean, I think it's just believing in the power of, of God's grace. Right. I mean, I I was listening Mm -hmm. to, do you know who David Goggins is? He's just like, why do I know that? He's like a former Navy SEAL ultra marathon runner, like really intense guy. Yeah. Yeah, I was yeah, listening yeah. to him and he was talking about, he's like, that alarm goes off and you just get up and your, your brain says no. And you just say, this is just what we do. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, I feel like we like, it's like starting a, an instructional manual and you're like, step one, open box, step 27, you're done. I'm like, whoa, how do we get to that place? <laughs> and, and I thought more, I was thinking about it a lot. I was like, just do it. Like that sort of like just determination. It's like our Lord set his face towards Jerusalem, like, and just went, right? Mm, mm-hmm. And sometimes that's what it takes. Like, sometimes we are broken and like, we can't do it. Like, you just see the creamer and you're looking at the creamer and you're like, I'm just going to put it in. <laughs> I'm just going to put it in the coffee. <laughs> but a lot of the time, it's just sort of like acknowledging, I, I think we've kind of want to convince ourselves that suffering is not going to be terrible. It's like, mm. yeah, suffering is redemptive, but it's also suffering. We call yeah. it suffering. I like once did a whole Lent with like a rock in my shoes, which is like so obnoxious yeah. and distracting. And just like, <laughs> it's like just giving a little up thing. hot food. <laughs> and you're just like, yeah, the little cocoa. So yeah, well, it just became one of those things. It's like, oh man, it's so uncomfortable. It's like hitting on a blister. It's like really annoying. And then I just was sitting and being like, this is the point, right? The point. This is yeah. the point. We're, give, we're taking cold showers. We're giving up alcohol. We're praying more. We're, we're sort of diminishing ourselves. And why do we do this? St. Paul invites us into a place of understanding to gain a crown of unfading glory. Like, yeah, Mm. that's why. So I think just acknowledging the pilgrimage that we're on, because often when we find on mission, on pilgrimage, it's very easy to be like, oh, okay, our hotel room's not ready. We have to carry our bags for an extra six hours. Nobody really complains. They're just like, this is just what we do, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think it's that mindset of being like, I'm on pilgrimage. Like, this is not my home. And the world mm. wants to give me comfort, right? We were not made for comfort, made for greatness. And so I think one of the things to really, one in terms of a discernment is just say, okay, maybe I've been faithful to my Lenten disciplines, but where have I maybe become lax in other areas? So the example being like, often when we're struggling with something, we're like, man, I'm, I'm wasting too much time on social media. And so we like get rid of it, lock our phone, have a sort of thing. And it's like, now I'm just going to watch a lot of The Office. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, like every we just replaced, you know, in a moderate recreational activity within a moderate recreational activity. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. instead of saying like, what am I doing? 
with this time. Okay, I'm not taking hot showers. I'm taking cold showers. So now my showers presumably are shorter. What am I doing with that five extra minutes? Can I do mm-hmm. something there? And I think I think that's where when we begin to activate and make sense of our suffering, it allows us to actually not get rid of it because just suffering for the sake of like doing it. Some of mm-hmm. us are stubborn enough to do it, myself included, right? Mm-hmm. But actually, if it's like okay, I'm doing something now, I'm gonna like leave, I'm not gonna use TV. Well, okay, so where am I? What am I gonna do in this time? And all of a sudden, we'd be mm-hmm. like, wow, I've been reading scripture every day for ten days, and this is really fruitful. So I think mm-hmm. that sort of switch in our brain of like. I'm on pilgrimage, Lent is a pilgrimage, and that means diminishing, you know, and yeah. cutting things away. Father John uses the word purification yeah. in, in this week's chapter, right? Like this idea of, of the penance that we're taking on in whatever form that might be. I mean, yes, a lot of times we talk of it in terms of fasting, we give the thing up, but like sometimes prayer can be penitential, mm-hmm. you know, making that time and, and saying, I'm not going to do anything else and I'm going to actually sit in the presence of the Lord and he's going to reveal things to me that might be a little uncomfortable. Or the tithe, right? The tithe can be a purification process of like, especially when it's a tithe of your time, like when you're, you're willingly saying yes to things, then all of a sudden you find yourself with this project that I, that's not what I thought I agreed to. And now I'm stuffing bulletins for two hours and I I can't leave because I'm the only under 40 person in this room whose hands aren't arthritic and I'm shoving things (laughs) into a, a bulletin that I promised I would help with. And so like, but I always kind of go back to this line that my dad used to tell us as kids, especially when we'd get bored. And this was pre-cell phones. And like, yeah. you know, he'd be like, you can endure anything for 10 minutes. Oh, yeah. If you think of life That's in good. terms of 10 minute chunks of time, mm-hmm. then you'll be fine. And I like that changed my my thinking mm-hmm. when I'm like caught in an uncomfortable conversation or like when I've got a really bad headache and I just got to get through. Like I can endure anything for 10 minutes at a time. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like that attitude with Lent, like I can endure anything for 40 days. Like I can endure what yeah. the Lord is asking of me. In the grand scheme of things, Lent is not forever, but it gets me ready for the eternal. I Yeah, that's great. I mean, that 10 minutes uh, sort of approach to life is like so true. Just like sort of, it's Ignatius' invitation, Aji Kuradjus, be about what you are about. Like be present mm-hmm. to what is right in front of you. Not thinking oh, I'm stuffing bulletins and I need to run to the grocery store and I need to like wash kids clothes and it's like well that's gonna overwhelm us like who or what is right in front of you um Mm -hmm. i remember it's also acknowledging like like what's the worst that it can get it's like well death okay but acknowledging (laughs) that in like a real sense i i mean i remember i i did a lot of sports in high school and in track they had me run the 400 meter dash and i was a fullback like i was not i mean i was a sprinter (laughs) but not like a 400 meter sprinter and so i'd say maybe half the time i would feel so nauseous after sprinting for a quarter mile that I would expel everything. I'm trying to say this in the nicest way possible. (laughs) Some people listen to this when they're on their morning commute. So thank you for that. (laughs) So anyway, I mean, it became one of those things where I'd kind of get anxiety about the prospect of it. And my coach was like, Mm. what's the worst that's going to happen? And I know like thinking back, it kind of makes him sound unhinged, but it was like, yeah, what's the big deal? Like I can deal with that suffering too. And sort of Mm -hmm. to be able to throw myself into it. And, and I found, I found, you know, that a really sort of helpful mindset to enter into is like Mm -hmm. that purification is just an invitation to a growth in humility, which is really, it's like what material poverty is to our senses, like humility is to our spirit. It's like so important to really like see ourselves as like, we're not that big a deal. As Father Burns would always say, he's like, he's quoting a spiritual director. He's like, of of his, it's like, it's not that big a deal. It's just your life. And I say that to (laughs) vocation candidates all the time, because there's ways like in our discernment of God's movement in our life, we're like, Oh my gosh. Oh my, what am I going to do? It's like, just 
do it. Enter seminary, don't. <laughs> Date the girl or don't. Like, just, <laughs> just take a step forward. Yeah. Because you know yeah. what comes after that? Another step. And then another right. step. And like, if we see how kind of unimportant and like mm-hmm. broken and disordered things are, actually, it opens us to repentance and mercy and patience and forgiveness and all those mm-hmm. things that we want in our life. And so what's purifying is what's clarifying. And that's like so good mm-hmm. in the spiritual life is like, we can move into this place of like wisdom, right? And understanding to see the heart of the matter, to be able to like see a little bit more and and make sense of it. And that's why Our Lady is such a beautiful image for us as one who always took the time to sort of like see what was going on and understand mm-hmm. the movement in our own heart and the invitation from the Lord. Yeah. You know, I think of it in terms of like from a professional perspective, I, th- I feel like sometimes I, I spin my wheels like, oh, do I, should I do this thing? Should I tell that story in a talk? Should I record? And it's like, just do it. Like, yeah. what's the worst? Uh, truly, like, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. Is a great perspective. Now, that's not to say we should be frivolous or loosey-goosey. Certainly. But, but that there is, I think we put weight upon things in our life that aren't that heavy. Mm-hmm. But like, whether it's a sense of self-importance or that fear or we're, it's, I think a lot of times it's like excuses, like we're making excuses. And, and I'm going to use an analogy from the married perspective of like, sometimes mm. when it comes to like discerning family size, it's like, oh God, like we, we think 10 years into the future when it comes to having another child, as opposed to like the right now. Mm-hmm. So like, I have a very good friend that they, they just shared with us that they're expecting number five mm. and they never wanted five kids. They didn't even want two kids. They like wanted one. And now they're going into number five. And I was like, like, okay, you have to explain to me how you got from point A to point in this in this <laughs> marriage and and she just said she said you know what's one more and it was just like oh my gosh like what a what an open perspective like what's one more mm. like what's one more day without coffee what's one more kid yeah. right what's one more 400 meter dash like the lord isn't going to leave you alone in that more that he's asking you know yeah yeah and and there can be it's like the rich young man it's like look lord mm-hmm. i'm doing all of these things and i think it's very easy today to be like self important and self-aggrandizing mm-hmm. about, you know, if you're driving on the morning commute, you're listening to this, you're like, look at, look at me. I'm starting my day with this great sort of. <laughs> with Jesus. <laughs> with Jesus, right? It's like, yeah. And the Lord, he rejoices in that. But it's always like, what m- m- must I do? It's like more. Mm-hmm. You must give more. Mm-hmm. And we're afraid of like that. We're like, how much is enough? Like we want to climb up the tree. We want to watch Jesus. We want to listen to his teaching. We want to see the miracles. We want to maybe even touch him, like reach out and be healed of those things in our life. But if he says to us, I need you to follow me. We're like, hmm. Mm. How about I catch yeah. you when you swing through town again? Yeah. Like you're doing another like stadium treat. tour. Yeah, I'll be there for you, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, that's what it is. That's where the fear is, where it's like, where are we willing to go for him, you know? And yeah. and what are we willing to do for him? And I think for that family to be in that place of like, five kids, here we go. They're like, okay, go. it's just an incredible growth in trust and love of the Lord and, and, and an understanding of their marriage. And so- Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, it's, it's just, he's always, he, he's jealous for our hearts. He's always yeah. going to want more. And so all in heaven and earth will bend their knee at his name. Like that is not really an equivocal, uh, you know, like something that's equivocating any space to anything else mm-hmm. other than like a total sort of self gift. And so he's always going to want more. Yeah. Ah, oh, so good. Father John, we end our conversations this season by asking a very simple question. I warned you about it ahead of time. Sure. What is your hope for this Lent, and I'm, I'll date it, Lent 2023 at a very specific time and place. Like, What is your hope for this Lent? You know, for me especially, just given my own temperament, but I, I really feel for a lot of people as well, 
is like we it's so easy to like find that space or that place for the Lord, but really not out of a place of necessity because there's so much in our life that requires us to be, you know, self-starting. To, to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. Nobody's going to get the kids up and get them out the door. Katie's got to do it. You know, I got to do it. Nobody, <laughs> nobody's going to, nobody's going to, you know, say the mass. Nobody's going to set up for this thing. Like I've got to do it. And there's so many things we busy ourselves with it and we forget like, yeah, we actually need him. Right. Like we need the Lord. And so for me, it's like this, this Lent, I'm really just hoping that in stripping things away, I can realize how sort of self-important I've made myself feel and grow in that sense of like, I need a savior, right? He can't save us if we don't think we need to be saved. And so mm -hmm. it always begins for me, like that's kind of my prayer and my hope uh, this Lent to just feeling a, a real sense of wanting to grow in my desire for him. Like I almost wanted, like, like Simeon to me has really just been on my mind. It's like the one in the temple who's like, ah, like, Lord, like he's waited decades, waited for so long just to like receive that. And uh, I love that icon you may be seeing of like Simeon holding like the infant yeah. Jesus, beautiful, like, that's kind of where I want to be in that space. Uh, Father John, thank you. This was, this was exactly what I wanted. I know it's like, I, you're not supposed to want things out of a conversation, but this is what I wanted sure. from this conversation. I appreciate it. Where, where can we follow you? Sure. You know, if people have vocations questions and they happen to be in Wisconsin, where can they contact you? Yes. So, you know, I'm at the JP2 House of Discernment. If you're ever in Milwaukee, you're welcome to come by and say hello. But the uh, we have a website that the diocese uses, thinkpriest.org. But I'm on Twitter and Instagram as well. It's Father Lococo, so easy enough to find. Uh, I just ask for those listening, please, I always invite people to pray for my sister who's going to be taking first vows in June. So oh, God willing. Wow. So awesome. Sister Angela Joy of the King of Glory, we pray for her. Oh, yeah. What a name. Yeah. Oh, man. Man, I love it. I love it. Father John, thanks so much. Thank you. I've been so blessed by these conversations we've had this season, especially that that last question that we've been asking our guests, what's your hope for this Lent? You know, that's kind of a, a knockoff of another show that we have here on the Ave Explorers Podcasting Network, Ave Spotlight, a weekly podcast with my good friend Chanel Shaw as the host. And we, we always talked about that at the end of those episodes. What's your hope? What's your hope for the week? What's your hope for the, the coming days. And so what's your hope for Lent? And I, I, I would like to pose that question to you. Here we are two weeks into Lent, four episodes into Ave Explorer's season for this Lent. What's your hope? Do you hope that maybe the fasting that you're doing proves to give God more space in your heart? Are you hoping that in incorporating more of an intentionality with your prayer that you'll be able to hear the voice of God in more specific and unique ways? Are, are you hoping perhaps that you you find an organization or an apostolate or a group of people who need help and you're able to offer it? What's your hope? Maybe with those specific Lenten practices. And what's your hope when it comes to maybe receiving more from the Lord or giving more? What's your hope in regards to that? All of this conversation about our Lents, our, our hopes, our returning to the Lord. All of it is happening in our Ave Explorers series. If you go to AveMariaPress.com, right up at the top is a big button that says free resources and you can click on it and it'll lead you to a number of awesome spots. The Ave Explorers series. We've had 19 seasons of this podcast so far and we're not anywhere near done. We'd love it if you'd maybe listen to some of our older conversations, our older episodes, follow the show and you'll get all of them. We're very proud of what we've created. You can go find the brand new Living the Word Bible podcast hosted by Sarah Christmeyer. I think you're going to love that as well. 
You can go listen to Ave Spotlight, a Monday morning weekly podcast, great little punch in the arm conversations that kind of get your week started on the right foot. All of the stuff that we're creating at Ave Maria Press, I'm super proud of, and I think you'll really be blessed by it. So go check it all out over at AveMariaPress.com. Follow this show so you don't miss anything. We have some more amazing episodes coming up as our season progresses. Next week, uh, you're just gonna you're gonna love next week's conversation with my friend Paul George, all about fasting. So follow the show so you don't miss anything, and know that we'll be praying for you as your Lent continues. This podcast is part of the Spoke Street Network. For more great podcasts, visit Spokestreet.com.